Hey there, friends, it's Nick. So here we are, the fifth of five episodes around crafting stories that spread. Today, we're going to be talking in particular about things that make sharing more likely. But I want to draw your, your attention to something that, that I hope is obvious, but might not be. So I'm going to just say it here. All of the things we've been talking about over the past four episodes, whether you've, you've dipped into the list on attention, on smoothness, or on action, all of those things are aspects that will make, if you can tweak, if you can add, if you can emphasize, they will all make your idea, your story, or your message more likely to spread. So today's list is some extra things that I might think about, but the whole thing constitutes the creating, you know, crafting stories that spread. It's all about all of these things. And are we going to get all of these things every time? Absolutely not. But we might find two or three or four of them that you can work with on any particular piece of content you're creating. So let's just dig into the five things I've got on, on my personal sort of sharing list. You can find the full list at storiesmeanbusiness.com forward slash viral. So the first thing I've got, it's actually extreme. And we know this, right? You know that the kind of things that people share with you are very often, they're taking something to, to an edge. They're taking it to an extreme that you haven't seen before. And that makes it compelling. So I mentioned a couple of days ago that my wife had shared this video of somebody just dropping different shaped pieces of metal into a, into a glass bowl full of water. The footage was, was very slow motion and, and the water was just making these incredibly beautiful shapes and it created awe, it created emotion. It went right to the edge of something. It was something that I'd never seen before. Likewise, yesterday I shared with her another video which is footage of this avalanche in Kyrgyzstan. And you can see the, the link to that on, on my webpage, the webpage that I just mentioned. And this footage starts off being kind of like a, a sort of vaguely interesting little nature documentary because up in the mountains, um, you know, in the distance, some snow starts to move. And over the next, what, 40 or 50 seconds, it becomes this kind of existential kind of crisis for the the videographer because the snow just keeps coming it keeps coming and it the video ends really dramatically with him kind of ducking under a rock as the uh, as the snow pours over and it's one of those things where you are you're living the story as, as it as the the danger gets closer you're living the story and it's one of those things that's worth sharing so is your stuff extreme can it be made more extreme and i want to be careful because we can all go too far most of us but most of our content aren't going to get this kind of thing. But if you can get it, if you can go closer to the edge for, for a particular audience, that might be something that's worth doing. Uh, your mileage may vary. The second thing is social currency. Does it make people look smart or does it build their personal brand? And it's easy to talk about social media kind of stuff, I suppose. But, you know, you might also think about the kind of, you know, the, the, the Nike brand on your T-shirt or... The, the handbag that some people carry around. I mean, this is Veblen goods sort of stuff, right? If you're not familiar with that word, a Veblen good is a good where the more expensive it gets, the higher its desirability. And you know, this it's sort of Veblen goods break the fundamental rule of economics. If you still think about a high-end handbag as a handbag, you're making a mistake because what it really is, of course, is a status symbol. And a status symbol if you've got the money is worth more if it costs a million pounds than if it costs, costs a hundred thousand pounds. Right. So does the thing that you are creating, does this, this piece of content 
Will it make people look smart or will it build their brand if they forward it on to other people? Because that's a big reason why people forward things on. Another big reason, the third one I kind of think about is, is it funny? And you know, we all get shared stuff and share stuff if it makes us laugh and if we think it will make other people laugh. And there's, there's thousands of examples here. I go to one that's, that's from a while ago where Microsoft released a video and we didn't know it was Microsoft at the time, but it was a video that took a, an Apple iPod packaging. You know, if you remember those, they just were very simple white boxes with just a photograph of the iPod on it. And the, this video, which was animated, animated video just went about doing a kind of Microsoft on it. They, they sort of covered the box with sort of flashes and bullet points and, um, technical information and what have you. And they totally kind of trashed the, the beautiful simplicity of the design. And it was really created by a Microsoft agency to start a conversation about how Microsoft packaged its problem, its problems, excuse me, <laughs> Freudian slip, its products and how they could maybe think about why was Apple having all this success? You know, what was, the, what was going on? What was the difference? And of course, if you listen to the, the, the show about smoothness, I talked about having an inbuilt audience. Well, there was an inbuilt audience of geeks for this video and like many Apple geeks at the time, and I guess this was early 2000s, probably I, I gleefully shared this video thinking that someone was taking the piss out of Microsoft when in fact it was Microsoft doing, I guess what, one of the things they do best, which is just sort of grinding away at a problem and figuring out how to, how to improve and iterate over time. And anyway, it was funny. It, the video was funny. It had a, an important point too. And we all know if you can wrap an important point in a joke or a story, it's much more likely to be made. And in this case, it's also much more likely to be shared. So the, the fourth of five is, is it useful? So we've talked about social currency. Does it make people look smart? Well, there's a kind of a, an addendum to that, which is if something is useful, people are more likely to use it and they are more likely to share it. And again, you know, if we want just a, an old, but classic example, when Hotmail came out, which was free email back in the day before Gmail and what have you, it was a revolutionary product. It was useful. People wanted email. They wanted it to be free. So they used it, but also they had at the bottom of every email, there was a link saying that the person who'd received the email could, could essentially junk their, their email provider who charged them money and just get a free Hotmail account, which is what millions and millions of people, people did. And it was one of the first examples that I remember of truly exponential kind of growth because it was useful, but also because it spoke to this last piece, this last thing that I'm going to mention in this section was that, <clears throat> excuse me, it happened in public. The use of this thing happened in public. And, you know, we were talking about brands a moment ago. If you've got Nike on your t-shirt, that's advertising, right? You're advertising Nike. Likewise, you know, something like the iPod, if we go back to that, what happened was suddenly those iconic white earbuds started appearing everywhere. And this is not explicit sharing, but it's implicit sharing. And because we're herd animals. If it happens enough, it has an effect. So just to go over those five things again, is it extreme? 
Does it have social currency? Is it funny? Is it useful? And does its use happen in public? Yesterday I talked about, um, BJ Fogg's behavior model. Now he did a lot of research into that. There was a lot of science and scientific papers that went into that and he could have left it all in the scientific papers. Right. But one of the things he did was he created this diagram. And if you search a uh, fog behavior model or fog persuasion model, you'll see that diagram and it really encapsulate his encapsulates his expertise and, and his insight into something that can be really easily shared. It can be really easily used. It opens up that thing to a whole different kind of audience. So if we can tweak what we're doing to make it more shareable, to make it more uh, useful in public, it will make a big difference. And like I said, I mean, just to, before we wrap up, it's not just these five things, right? It's all the things we've been talking about, about, you know, including, is it unexpected? Is it current? Is it peer pressured? You know, does it ask questions? Is it emotional? You know, we talked about having built in tribes. We talked about confirming things that someone already believes or the people that they might share it with already believes. Does it say, say something better? Is there a story in it? Is there a rhyme or a rhythm in the, the language you use? Why are you creating tension? All of these kind of things that we've talked about over the last four days, they will make a difference. And our job when we're, at least the way that I do this, when I'm thinking about certain types of content is that I go through this list and it's not that I'm trying to shoehorn everything into one of these, but I'm thinking about it and thinking, can I just twist? Can I just emphasize? Can I just make something resonate more? Because as I said, right at the start in the first podcast, there's, there's a kind of aggregation of marginal gains going on here. There's a compounding going on here. And actually when we, we start to build this sort of thinking into our practice over time, we get better and better at building things that actually are more likely to spread. And this is about craft, right? This is about how we can make sure that our stories mean business. Thanks for listening. Bye now.